Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. We're back with another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my good friend and co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, I'm excited about the episode we have today with Lindsey Wilson. Lindsey was a college basketball player. She played at Iowa State was a three-time all-conference. She played in a bunch of NCAA tournaments, a couple of Sweet 16s, went on to be a professional with the Connecticut Sun, and now is doing something that is near and dear to our heart, which is teaching people how to develop mindsets and coaching coaches on how to do that. Jamie, there's a ton of good stuff today. Tell us a little bit about where we're headed and what, as a listener, you could expect from this episode. I think it was just Lindsay peeling back, she said it a few times, like layers, kind of peeling back and looking at how do you make progress and then stop, check in again, make progress again, check in again, make progress again. And just always understanding that you have a role in this process, I thought was great. And we've been influenced by her for a little while now because she coaches mindset coaches. And so we're like, let's figure out how somebody can coach us in this way and always seeking that sort of stuff out. And I would encourage you to, you know, subscribe to the newsletter, check out her podcast, check out her website. Cause if you're interested in this stuff, like she just has a ton of resources that they come out in the conversation, but you can dig a little deeper. And speaking of joining things, we started a Facebook, Facebook group a couple of weeks ago. And the cool thing is that people are starting to engage with it for the intended purpose, which is community coming together encouraging one another to get better today, to live eyes up. So if you want to join us, it's in our description. Every week we have it in our podcast episode description. We have how you can connect with us. But if specifically you want to join the Facebook group, it's the Eyes Up Mindset family. Check us out. We'll get you involved and start getting better together today. Yeah, there's always encouragement from some of the members. Uh, you know, we post on occasion to, you know, John – post something pretty much daily to just a something motivational to get you through the day. But it's really about having a conversation and being a part of the conversation. Uh, Lindsay said something in the podcast where she said, if you're not intentionally doing it, you're avoiding it. Like that's part of the Facebook group is intentionally get involved and do something. Otherwise you're just avoiding getting better. I was encouraged by our conversation with her, encouraged by the engagement in the group and want to keep keep growing that thing. Cause the more people that get involved and get invested in it, they grow us too. Lindsay grows us today. I'm sure she's going to grow and challenge you as well. Lindsay Wilson. Lindsay, it's awesome to have you on the eyes up mindset podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Nice to connect with you guys. Finally. You're a little bit, I mean, we were just talking before we hit record here. You're a little bit in the same space as us, but further down the road in terms of working with coaches, teams, athletes, but then also coaching coaches and you have a podcast and lots of different stuff. So maybe you could just give us a brief overview of kind of maybe how you got here and what you're doing right now. Yeah. So um, I can give you the long version, but I won't bore you with that. Um, I learned mental training at 16. The short version of that is, was just about to sort of fall off the, 
the wagon, so to speak, as far as hitting my goals. I wanted to play professional basketball. I wanted to play Division One, and it was not happening. Uh, found a mental training coach. Everything changed. Uh, literally, the trajectory of my life changed because I'm now a mindset coach. Went on to play Division One basketball, professional basketball. Had many good years doing that. It was consistently a mindset challenge. And I just kept coming back to these tools over and over and over again. And I really felt like I had been let on in a little secret. And I, mean, I just had a huge advantage. You know, I'm 5'9", can't really jump. I work really hard. That was definitely a competitive advantage. But that wasn't getting me where I needed to go. And it wasn't until I really learned the mental side that it all came together. And I just sort of looked around and was like, this is ridiculous. And so while I was playing professionally, I decided to start a business. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was just showing my mindset coaching students the other day. Like I kept my terrible first workbook because it's so ugly. I want them to know that they can do it too. But anyway, I went and I just called up old, old coaches that had coached me or coached against. And I said, Hey, can I come talk to your team? And I ended up working with some really high level athletes right out of the gate because I had those connections. And the biggest response I got was how come I haven't learned this before? Yeah. And which is exactly how I felt. And so I kept playing professionally and working sort of on honing my mindset craft on the court myself. And then I'd come back in the summers and fall and work with teams and did that for a long time and then retired from basketball and really started building up my business. And so, yeah, we have mindset coaching certification students. We have co uh, courses and resources for coaches, um, especially coaches that can't afford, you know, to have a mental training, as we were just talking about before we hit record, coaches that can't afford to have someone come in and will probably mm -hmm. never be able to afford it, you know, so they're the trainer, the weight coach, the mental coach, and the coach, as many of yeah. you guys, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know. And that's our big focus. Now I have a podcast. I'm doing some mindset and life coaching for athletes and for coaches. So you talked about mindset training as a 16 year old, where you started to develop, I mean, identify your mindset, right? I think we use a, a very basic definition of mindset is the lens by which we see the world. Mm -hmm. But there's so much more to mindset than just the definition, right? right? And I think it's really hard if you've never done the work to start to identify what is my mindset about certain things, about life, about sports, about whatever. So how do you start to identify that as someone who might be listening and you're saying, oh yeah, it's cool. These people are talking about all these skills and all this stuff, but let's strip it back to just define mindset as a broad view. And then how do you start to identify that for yourself? So for, well, let me answer it like this. When I work with somebody that isn't quite, you know, they know the problem, right? The problem is they're not playing well. The problem is they're not, they're living small in their life. They're feeling stuck, overwhelmed. Like things are not how they want them to be. Right. And so they come and work with someone like me or you guys. And I think the first thing that is maybe the aha moment is understanding that they are in control of their mind. Their mind is not in control of them. And that sounds incredibly simplistic. And yet for me, I think that's really the point where they get to decide that they can make those changes, right? So one of the things that I say to most people that I work with is, you know, you may know that you're the problem, but you may not know yet that you're also the solution. And so I think for me at 16, I knew I was the problem. Like I would go play great one game and shitty the next. Sorry, I don't know if I can say that on your podcast, but <laughs> and it, like those ups and downs that were like really difficult 
right? Like I could see my goal. I knew I was good enough to get there and it wasn't happening on a day-to-day basis. So I knew I was the problem. I knew that I was doing it to myself, which is like the worst kind of hell, right? Yeah. And so most people I think have that awareness. That's why they go get coaching or they, you know, try to help themselves. But do you actually think most people have that awareness? Because I think there's a lot of people, and especially in yeah. our social world today, where it's like, well, it's that person's fault. It's the, it's the officials. It's my coach. It's my parents. It's my shoes. You know, there's, there are a lot of excuse making. Specifically- I guess I'm referring more to the people that are actually out there getting coaching. So yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. People kind of self-select to some mm-hmm. degree, especially for, you know, like when I get on the phone with them, they're already sort of ready. So yeah, you're, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. And so then it's that second part of like, okay, well, if I'm the solution and I, in my mind, in myself, I have everything I need to be successful. How do I start removing? A lot of times it's removing the layers. The other thing I tell people often is like, you know, us as mindset coaches, we're not here to fix you. We're here to actually reveal what's already there, mm-hmm. right? Most people don't come to mindset coaches and they're just like so broken, they need to be put back together. Most people come and they're just self-sabotaging like left and right. They're just yeah. adding all this stuff in front of them on their you know, path to success. And they're just like layering on rocks in their path. And they don't even know how the rocks got there. And so understanding that they're the ones that put them there and they're the ones that can remove them, I think is a super powerful sort of first step. And they have to be willing to, as you, you kind of mentioned. And I think that's another thing like, Another question kind of going through like what I do with my first clients, but like, okay, we're here. Are you ready to let go of what isn't working? Can we, we, you agree that that stuff you're doing is not working, but it's also scary to let go of that. So a great example, and this may resonate with some of your listeners is perfectionism. You will get to a lot of people that come and want to work on perfectionism, but they don't want to let go of perfectionism because they're worried. Their fear is that if I'm not so ridiculously hard on myself at every moment of every day, I'm going to be like the lazy, you know, overweight person on the couch that eats bonbons and watches Netflix. And it like, that's where their mind goes to. And it's like, well, actually you can be successful and not beat yourself up every single day, but they have to be willing to let go of that. And a lot of people are not, I would say. No question. There's, there's this comfort, right? There's this sense of comfort. And I know this thing, even though I don't like the outcomes of this thing, I know it. And then I'm going to beat myself up about the outcome being bad, even though I'm not willing to look at the cause of the problem, the root cause, which is the choices I'm making, the intentional behaviors that I'm making or the default behaviors I'm doing, whatever it might be. And so I, I think you're right on with that stuff. And I, I think one of the misnomers of all of this, and you actually wrote this in your newsletter recently, it's like that everybody has, if you're a mindset, if you have a positive mindset, or if you have positive outcomes, like you have to be positive, optimistic, Pollyanna, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't have that mindset, I can't be successful, but you kind of challenged your newsletter with this is like, you don't have to be positive, like super optimist all the time. You can be realistic. And I think that's a little bit what you're speaking to here is like, yes, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm also the challenge. So mm-hmm. how do you reconcile that? Like, I, I want to be positive. I want to have an outlook that is optimistic, but I don't feel that way right now. Like, yeah, I mean, I think the, the way that I, and, and this is, I think for the type of people that I coach and that those people are, are like me, which is like, I actually really want somebody to hold me to a high level. 
Like those coaches that I, and probably for a lot of your listeners, if they're the type of people, they're listening to podcasts, they're probably the same. Like the coaches that I played the best for were the ones that were like, that's not a good enough. You are so much better than that. Right. And you know, it's always like that, that old saying, it's like when the coach stops yelling at you, you have to worry. And you know, you don't necessarily want them yelling at you, but like you want them holding you to a high standard. And that's what I try to do for myself. And, you know, I think back on like times when I wasn't like as confident and I think about like in college, like I hated watching film of myself. Like I would do it because I knew that I needed to, but like I was so critical of everything that like I would go into that office just with like dread. And I probably didn't watch it as much as I would have if I knew these mental skills, which is something my coach taught me, which is critique, don't criticize. So removing some of the emotions from it and just saying, you know, like I could have been further in the key on health defense on that. Not like you're terrible at defense. Yeah. Right. And so like having that middle ground where it's, it's with love, it's with um, it's tough love, but it's like with high expectations and not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like you don't have to be just ever, like you said, Pollyanna. And you don't also have to be like so ridiculously hard on yourself. It comes from, wanting to be more. And, and again, I think coaching yourself in the way that you would want to be coached by somebody else. I, I had that a little bit with the podcast. You know, I do all of our editing and the first few that we recorded, we didn't even put out because a lot of times it was just Jamie talking. And then I'd say one thing and then it would, I would cut myself because I couldn't stand hearing the sound of my own voice. And I'm like, no, it doesn't sound good. Get rid of it. Um, and that's kind of the example of watching film. Like I was so hard on myself that I was cutting out stuff and Jamie's like, where's this thing? It was really cool. I'm like, no, I hated it. Yeah. You know? And so, um, and I was thinking about that. Actually, I woke up this morning thinking about that along the same lines of like the feedback that we give ourselves is so much harder, so much stricter than what we give other people, you know, it, we, cause we just see it from a different lens and, but you have to be willing to sit in that discomfort like Jamie talked about in order to get through some of that so I just wrote about this on Instagram I hate my voice too so every time like I think everybody does though there's something about the auditory input or something but I talk a lot to my certification students about b plus work like getting things out and getting you know the the idea that like if you're waiting for things to be a plus perfect you'll get so little actually done that you're actually and making it not about you you're actually doing a disservice to the people that you could influence in the life, in your life and in the world. And so I've gotten a different lens on that for sure, but it's taken work. Is that, is that some, yeah. Did that come naturally to you or where did like, where did that come no, from? No, I learned about that from listening to some podcasts and I was like, you know, because I was, you know, I was a straight A student kind of thing and like B's like, no, we're not going for the B's. We are not going for the B's <laughs> like, um, and yet, you know, B plus is actually pretty good. And it, it doesn't mean it's sloppy. You know, you have to kind of define that for yourself too. It's like, it's not sloppy stuff. It's just, you know, that extra bit that like takes so long to make something perfect and the cost that goes into that of time and energy and emotional energy and psychic energy and everything is, it's not always worth it. You know, you gotta, you think of things I'm like from an ROI standpoint and um, yeah, I try to discipline myself with that because it can, it can be a, that perfectionist can kind of rear up for me as well. I love that word cost. You know, it's like, there's a cost in everything you do. There's sunk costs sometimes that you just got to get rid of and say, okay, I might not be an A in this area because it's a, it's an area of struggle. It's an area of weakness that I'm still growing at. Like B plus work is awesome right now, you know, and being able to move to the next step. And 
you, you mentioned it because I was a high school teacher for a long time, this idea of getting A's and getting results on the scoreboard. And so many of us are wired like that because that's what our culture prioritizes. One of the things we talk about a lot is process over results. And how do you see progress as a mindset shift? How do you, how do you judge that for people out there listening going, I don't, yeah, that's cool. I, I want to do the things that they're talking about, but I need to see some movement. How do you, how do you do that? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it is being comfortable, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Right. And like, I think the more you're aware of your thoughts, the more you realize that you get to decide and you get to frame things. So like a couple of years ago, I took up tennis and it was when I was pregnant. So I wasn't like moving like my best, <laughs> but I couldn't play basketball because it's a contact sport. So I was like, screw this. I've always wanted to play tennis. I'm going to learn how to play tennis. And like, you know, me being a professional athlete going into like a tennis camp with like 65 year old women that are better at tennis than me, because it is both an athletic sport and a highly skilled sport. And so, you know, there was one day at camp and I looked around and I'm like, when's the last time I was the, the worst at a sport in the room? And it was that day. And I, I, I think just being aware of that one, if we're not aware of it, we're avoiding those things. Right. And we're aware of like how our brain reacts to that. And it's a very like visceral lizard brain. Like, I don't want to be the only one that screws up socially. I don't want to be rejected from the the crew, right? Like the tribe. I don't want to be on the outs when people come to invade. Like it's all like on very visceral social acceptance level. And so for me, a lot of it is just being aware of it. I don't like that feeling either, but at the end of the day, I know that that's the only way I'm going to grow. And so reframing it that way, I mean, it helps that this is my job because I'm so aware of it. And that means I get to write a newsletter about it. You know, it forces me to like practice what I preach. So I recognize that as well. But that idea that like, you're going to intentionally control your thoughts and put yourself in situations that do challenge your thoughts. And when you're in those situations, it's not that they, you have to like think, oh, it's great that my, like last week my car broke down and I was stuck for nine hours with three children in the middle of a town that I don't live in, right? Yeah. It's not like, great, that's awesome that that happened, but it is an opportunity to show my kids that I don't lose my SHIT, you know, over a car yeah. when we have abundance in our life, yeah. you know? And so it's like, for me, a lot of it is reframing those situations and I can feel the feelings of being disappointed that we're not going to get notification on time. I can be pissed that it's going to be $1,200. But at the end of the day, it's also this opportunity to control my thoughts because I am not my thoughts. I'm not. And you have to remind yourself of that very often. So you said two things that I thought were really interesting. One, you said intentionally put yourself in situations. And then when those situations come up haphazardly, you're going to be better at it more or less. Are there things that you push into to get discomfort? Yeah. In fact, in our uh, mindset coach certification, every certification, we have a section where everyone does something. They add something to their life. So they do something new, scary, uncomfortable. And I always do it with them. So I either, one time I did cold water swimming and I did a triathlon. Another time I did improv because that really scared me. And so I took an improv class. So everybody chooses something to do. And some people like one person sang um, karaoke. They always wanted to, and they never did it. And they did it during yeah. her. So it's st stuff like that. Um, 
But yeah, I try to take some classes or do something like that. I mean, honestly, a lot of it is from a, like an E standpoint. It's any kind of exercise type things, you know, just the daily pushing yourself, I think is an easy, very accessible way to do that and pushing yourself in that regard. Kids definitely push me, you know, to control (laughs) my thoughts in certain situations with my children, you know, melting down. And I definitely do not get it right all the time. Not even most of the time, probably most of the time now. But so those, you know, day to day, I don't think it always has to be something new and crazy. It's just being in the moment and being able to control your thoughts, control your breath. You know, if my husband says something that usually triggers me, like, can I be in that moment, just life. Like I said, a car broke down the other day. There's, there's opportunities, even if you don't intentionally look through them, they're there. <laughs> kind of along those same lines. I mean, you, you talk about putting yourself in situations that are going to be difficult, that are going to be uncomfortable. And, you know, we interact with your newsletter, or your, your email newsletter that comes out. And the one from last week, I guess, was, was something that really challenged me. And the kind of the question was, series of questions. What would you do if you couldn't fail? And what you're talking about just now is like do stuff and learn from it. it's not, you aren't failing at that thing. You are learning, you're growing, you're getting better. But the question was, what could, what would you do if you couldn't fail? But then you switched it a little bit to say, what would you do if you stopped caring about being liked? Because I think a lot of times that failure is whether it's us liking ourselves or other people liking us and saying, yeah, you're cool. This is, you're doing the right thing. I think that's a challenge for a lot of people because we just, we want to be accepted. We want to be liked by everybody. And it's something I know for me and and with our business, we push up against because we're trying to figure out what people do like and what they want. And that's a question we always ask ourselves. Is this something that is true to our values and true to core to us versus, you know, what is random person on the internet tell us about the length of our podcast or, you know, the questions that we ask. So what challenged me was it's easier for me to do that in our business than in my real life Mm. because I can explain away the random people, but then when it gets personal for me, like I want my family to really like what we're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and the message that we're putting out. And I want my friends to care about what we're doing. And so it's, it's harder for me to wrap my head around that question in that context from a personal standpoint. So I don't know if you, maybe it's a, hey, do you have any advice for me? So I remember when I was kind of going through this initial mental training and one of my big problems with playing was I wanted all my teammates to like me and I wanted to keep my coaches happy. And so I ended up playing, which is the way a lot of people play their sport. And I describe it as like, you're playing with a backpack on of like other people's expectations. And we even do, I, you know, I'm a hypnotist. So we even do visualizations with that backpack on. And it's like, of course, you're not going to be you know, reacting fast and like making good decisions. You're wearing a freaking backpack. Right. And it's, it's, um, it's not literal, of course, but it really does end up being that way. Um, at least feeling that way, I should say. And, and I remember that moment, like, literally being in a gym and and knowing that like what I was about to do from a playing standpoint was going to be uncomfortable for people and therefore it was going to be uncomfortable for me and I remember my coach saying Lindsay you can either accomplish your goals or you can either let your goals go and be liked or you can go for them and those people can buy tickets to watch you play someday and and I remember thinking like well I know which one I'm going to choose <laughs> But like, how often do we get to that point? Most of it's going on up in the background, right? Mm-hmm. 
we're making a tiny, a tiny million tiny decisions every day to be liked. And I don't know that most of us can turn that off completely, right? That is like a social survival. Like we talked about lizard brain, you know, that is a social survival skill. I think for me, it's an evolution that I just try to keep going back to it. And now my business is very much me. It wasn't always. I used to have much more of like my brand. I mean, if you watch, if you look at my, I don't know when you guys joined my newsletter, but if you look at my newsletters from like probably six years ago, they were good, but they were much more vanilla. Now I started sort of like peeling back the layers and I did it in a conscious way. And I know that I'm going to get some people that either unsubscribe or think I shouldn't say S-H-I-T or, you know, and then I know that I'm doing it right. Like even last week when I sent out that email about, um, I said, I feel fat. And I knew that there was going to be some people that were maybe offended by that. And after I sent, sent, send, I was like, Oh, I don't, I probably shouldn't use the, the word fat, you know, like that's not like a really good word for people these days. But on the other hand, I was like, I'm talking about myself. <laughs> like yeah. I can call myself whatever I want. And if I piss off some people, that's how my, that's how I talk to myself in that, you know, the, the newsletter was more positive than that. But so yeah, for me, it's a process. Like I'm just trying to be more vulnerable. I'm trying to, sh- I talk about like showing my ugly. Like I'm not always, people can see me as imperfect because that's who I am. And it, it's definitely an evolution though. I, I would not say it's, it's, I think again, it's like, if you're being, if you're uncomfortable, you're probably doing it right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, <laughs> I mean, our, our last podcast, we talked a lot about self-awareness and being present and understanding. And what you just said was understanding that, am I making this decision or am I putting this content or asking this question because it's something I think other people are going to want to hear or like, or is it true to who I am? Like you said, your business is more true to who you are and it's evolved to that. But being aware of that question of, is this me or is this that backpack, is that something that's in the backpack that I'm looking at? Like, Oh, well, throw that back in there. I'm going to carry that around for a while. Well, that's a challenge for, I think a lot of people, most people. And I think a lot of people only know that they're not doing it when they wake up and they think I'm unfulfilled. I feel stuck. I feel like I'm not living my purpose and they've done everything right. Like they went to college, they got married, they got a job, they got a house and they're still like, this is not what I really want. It doesn't mean they have to throw you know, everything away, but like sort of tapping into that. And I think a lot of it does come down to like not prioritizing time for yourself. And I'm like really bad at this with three kids, but I have to, I know that I have to, because that, that creative time in your life, that white space, those are the only times you can ask those questions. Like going for a run, journaling, listening to a podcast and like letting it sort of reflect back on your life and what you want, you know, listening and honing that inner voice, I think is one of the best uses of our time. And yet it is way down the priority list for almost all of us. The more we can be quiet and listen, we have inner wisdom. But again, it's sort of like what we talked about earlier, like all this crap is like put on top of it. We can't even hear it anymore. That hits home big time with me because to me, like I got to read and I got to journal, right? Those two things, those are the times of the day when I'm writing or when I'm reading, it's like, and a lot of times I'm not reading 
like for speed or to try and get through words or try and get through pages. I have goals like that, but there are books that I'm reading that sometimes it's just like, I got to chew on this and I stop and I set the book down and I might take some notes or whatever. And it really is a time to be aware of what I'm thinking and what I'm experiencing. And like to get some of that coming at me is now where my focus is instead of focusing on the outcome or, you know, like, helping to reframe is that white space that you talk about that inner time allows me to reframe what do I actually prioritize and want to be dealing with in my life can I give one quick little tool in the, the sure. way of like um that I think some of your listeners could take and run with often when I work with people this is the first exercise that I have them do and it's a free writing exercise which means you can't put the pen down and the question only is what do I really want and so they put five or 10 minutes on the clock and they can't stop writing. So when they get stuck, as you guys know, they're probably editing themselves. They're thinking about what their husband wants and what's realistic for their kids and blah, blah, blah. Right. So you don't stop writing when you can't think of what to say, what you write out, literally write out is what I really mean is, and then you, you keep writing what I really mean is until something pops into your head. And that exercise alone, I think, is worth its weight in gold. And it's not necessarily something that you just want to do once, right? Like the first time you do it is probably going to be like working out for the first time after a while. You're going to be like, I don't know what to say. And I haven't listened to this voice in 15 years. Like, I don't know what I want. What do I want? And uh, the more you do it, I think the clearer that, um, that voice kind of comes in. So it's for journaling, probably 10 minutes, ideally. What do I want? And if you get stuck, what do I really want? Or what I really mean is. That's really good. I, I will tell you, as a self-identified introvert, that exercise scares the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so the other thing that I'm, my wife and I are researching and we're engaging right now is the Enneagram. Are you familiar yeah. with that? Yeah. So I, I know very little, but what I know about it is I identify as a nine, which for anybody who doesn't know what that means, um, the brief version is basically nines see the world through other people's eyes. And one of the lines that I read the other day was like, I'm always searching for who I am through somebody else's eyes. And so that experience of writing what I really mean is just terrifies me. But I think that's a really cool one. And I, I do it, right? I, I, absolutely. I'm going to do it because I, because like you said, if it, if it scares us, we probably should be doing it. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I, I do think of it as like an onion. Like it's just these layers. We just have to like slowly pull them back and just get like a little bit, like my writing in two years, it's hopefully going to be more direct than what it is now because I'm just trying to just keep listening to myself and keep getting vulnerable and keep challenging my, challenging myself on other levels to control my thoughts and be aware of my thoughts. And it's, it's a journey for sure. <laughs> Lindsay, what sorts of things are you engaged with that are challenging you? Resources that are out there, a podcast, a book, a program. I'm going through story brand, So I'm really working on my ideal clients and figuring out what my like true value is and what my true gift is. I actually just wrote about this today. I don't know if you guys got the newsletter already, but no. Um, really peeling back the layers of that too, huh? Interesting theme. You know, there's a million coaches in the world. There's a million mindset coaches. Like nobody really cares that like, you know, about that. They want to know like exactly, and that takes bravery, right? Like exactly 
what you can do for them. And so just diving, you know, I've done this 14 years. So, you know, my certification, I keep telling, like I'm taking my students through this on like ideal customer avatar and like helping them figure out their unique gift. And like, guys, I'm doing it again. (laughs) Yeah. No, like I'm, I'm honing it much more. I'm going through um, traction, the uh, entrepreneurial organization system. And because I have really big goals for my company to do that, I'm going to have to grow into a CEO that I'm not right now. I'm intuitive and I have to work on, on following that as we talked about just now, but um, it's been very much like, let's do this and let's do this. And, you know, trying to get more disciplined and grow into the person that my company really needs is a challenge, but it's also really fun because I'm going down to, I mean, the entrepreneurial organizational system also goes like, has you zero in on like all the foundational things. So I definitely, for you guys, definitely read this book. Although it's much more about scaling, but I think the foundational pieces are good for anybody because I'm going into like my core values as a company. Like, what do we really stand for? And not like, well, customer satisfaction, you know, like, yeah, but like, what about that? You know, like if people come to our website or people come and they like, what do we stand for in the world? And, and what are, what are our principles? Because if we start hiring people, I I don't want people to be unclear, (laughs) you know? So I'm doing all that stuff, which again, from, for me is like, um, it almost feels like not productive. Like, I feel like I should be doing emails. I feel like I should be changing my courses. I feel like I should be working on my new workbook for the certification students. And yet like, this is the most important stuff, you know? So I kind of have to discipline myself in that regard too, which is also fun, but it's very there's certain things that are like come really easy to me and there's certain things that I'm like oh yeah that's definitely like a blind spot for me um and so it's forcing me to grow which is awesome and that's interesting you said that because I think we want to go do the things that we know we're good at way more often it's way more comfortable to go and do the thing that I already know I'm going to be successful at than to push into this place that is the thing I know I need to do but I just don't want to because it's going to force me to recognize that I might not be very good at it. Well, I think for, for me, like I can be, I've, I've built my company. So like I can make a living as a mindset coach, right? Like I know that I can do that, but like, I want to make a living as a mindset coach. So like one of my goals, my affirmations is I'm a successful entrepreneur that makes, I have a, a certain number that's really high yeah. a year doing what I love, helping people and working less than 25 hours a week. I only work 25 hours a week. So Lindsay doing one-on-one calls and getting to that number is never going to happen. Yeah. So I have to sort of backtrack and yeah, grow into these other things. But it's interesting you say that because I listened to this other podcast the other day and I have to grow into these areas that I'm not good at. But one of the challenging statements they said was, what if you could make the most money doing what comes easiest to you? And that's what my business is. Like mindset coaching itself is easy for me. I can talk about this. I do. I talk about this when I'm not getting paid like, um, like this a million times a day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I nerd out on. This is what I'm interested. This is what I'm passionate about. This, like I can do this in my sleep. Um, it's the other stuff that's harder, but I also have to know enough about that so I can hire people to do it. So it's kind of both. It's like, I have to kind of stay in my line, you know, the zone is genius, but learn enough about this other stuff that I get other people to help me. But that's really fun. I mean, and then, like, I mean, we got to go into this like money mindset stuff, done a ton of stuff on that. Yeah. Um, and that's like, that's so fundamental to my business growth. 
you know, my thoughts about money, my beliefs about what money does and what it is and who can have it and how much I can ever have and how much is in the world and, you know, all that stuff. I've been doing a ton of work on that. So, so that's another area that I think is really important because we always have in everything, we have the action, which is like for me doing these worksheets on vision. And then there's like the mindset component to it. And it's like, do I really believe I'm worthy of having a million dollar company? Cause I got to work on that. If I don't believe that it's, it doesn't matter what I'm doing on the action side. If I don't believe that my company can be a million dollar company, doesn't matter. I'll self-sabotage all day, every day. And I'll be working my butt into the ground. I'll get burnout. I'll get overwhelmed. And I'll think that it's me. You yeah. know, I think there's something wrong with me just to prove myself. Right. <laughs> so what a great message though. To, I mean, like that's everybody, right? I know that's, you that's might why believe we have jobs, guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we're mindset coaches. Yeah. No question. So, so yeah, I think that's a big, a big focus. And that, again, so there's all the stuff that I work on with my clients. I'm working on myself. Basically I hold the mirror up to myself. I try to be the example. So Lindsay, where can, where can people find your stuff? We've referenced your newsletter, your podcast, you have business, <laughs> you know, all these things, but just, just plug what, where your stuff is and how they can find you if they want to. So positive performance training.com. And there's a lot of free resources on there. If you're a coach, I recommend the cheat sheets seven ways to basically make your team tougher. If you're a parent, there's a parent quiz. And if you're interested in being a mindset coach, there's also um, our certification will probably open in the fall. Maybe we're just ending up ending one certification right now, but we teach people how to make profitable businesses out of being a mindset coach. Um, and then we have the inner game podcast and it's a daily podcast. So it's kind of fun. It's like little bite-sized pieces that are about five minutes. And I talk about, one, I mean, I'll probably have about 10 things that I can talk about after talking to you guys that got me going. Um, but we would talk about something like money mindset, or we talk about um, not caring about what other people think, but it's in like a bite-sized chunk. So you can listen to it, you know, emptying the dishwasher or doing whatever you need to do. So that's awesome. Thanks for joining us. Just so much good stuff in there. I hope it directs them to your stuff. Cause I think it's, it's quality and it's stuff they can grow on every day. So thanks guys so much. It's so nice to, to connect with you, John and Jamie. I so appreciate your time and, and the good work that you guys are putting out into the world. You bet. Thanks for challenging us. And um, All right, John, go do that journaling. I, I, I'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many good takeaways from this conversation. For me personally, a couple things that stood out were, you know, if it's uncomfortable, you're probably doing it right. You probably should be doing it. She just challenged me to do that journal exercise, which is going to push and stretch me and I'm going to do it. And that's my commitment to you and to you as a listener is that's, that's my takeaway for today, Jamie. I don't know. I think we both had many takeaways and it could land differently with, with lots of people, but yeah. And mine was this idea that you are the problem, but you're also the solution. And then she kind of bookends it at the end and says, it's an action piece and the mindset piece. And I think sometimes we take actions that cause good outcomes or bad outcomes. And we see ourselves as the problem in our actions. And we don't always realize that the solution might be in the way that we're thinking about something. I certainly have that struggle where I think, step back, stop acting so much and fix the way that you're thinking about this thing so that you can move forward. Is it an action problem? Is it a mindset problem? And you, either way, are the solution. And as always, live eyes up. Live eyes up.